welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, 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 welcome to the Thriving Advisors podcast. Hanging out with my buddy, David. Him and I have been uh, getting to know one another pretty well here on LinkedIn. It's our first time in person, but we feel like we are brothers who were separated at birth. Would you say so, David? Absolutely, Ike. I saw your face when we started. I'm like, hey, I know this guy. Even though we've never (laughs) talked before, it's great. That's awesome. That's the beauty of being on a a platform and being active and and actually actively networking. So, David, you're a very accomplished guy. I would do injustice in trying to communicate that. So why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about what your company does at a high level? At a high level, my company, I work with clients, but I'm also training other advisors how to fix companies or other organizations, nonprofits, cash flow issues. Mm. There's so many companies out there struggling, and that's my focus, cash flow. Interesting. So I was going to ask what the biggest problem is that you serve, and it sounds like you help people optimize their cash flow, right? That is. um, And I'll throw in there, we were talking about this a little bit pre- green room, yeah. (laughs) I just uh, put a book up onto my website called Winning the Cash Flow Game Mindset Hacks. Mm. That is actually the biggest issue for most companies is how they approach it and what they're doing today. And they actually have to change what they're doing and how they think about cash flow. I love it. We're going to dig into that book and a lot of what what you're doing there to help people optimize their mindset and how that translates into optimizing their cash flow. But I love the backstory because, you know, birthing a book is, I mean, that's, I think for male, for man, it's the closest thing we'll ever come to like experiencing childbirth. <laughs> it's a labor of love, especially if you do it yourself versus just kind of outsource the whole thing. So maybe share with us the backstory behind what led you to want to write the book. Uh, you know, I really am glad you asked me that. Um, Back in 2000, 
19, I was saying to myself, what is going on, David? You do all these different things. What's the commonality? And I realized all the companies I've been helping with over the years have issues with cash flow. And I decided to focus. And so I've been writing articles, blog posts, and other, um, and creating courses around this. And I decided to bring in all of my workbook type materials into one book mm. that I've actually been working on for two years. And I said, okay, this is good. This is good. This is good. Bring it all in one place so people can get that crucial piece of information out of one book. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So what would you say the one big idea is behind your book? Right? I think when most people write a book, they have this grand idea that they want to share with the world, and then they kind of break that down into subcomponents. So what's the biggest takeaway that people would get by uh, digging into your book? The biggest problem or biggest idea is the problem is not what you think it is. It's not the numbers on the page. It's not your clients not paying you. It's not that your prices are going up. The number one problem that I'm trying to resolve in this book is what's between your ears and breaking whatever paradigm you have and exploding the box of options available to you mm -hmm. on how to get your cash flow under control first. And that's where most people stop yeah. is cash flow management, but then move past that to optimization. And so often the optimization totally contradicts common wisdom and we're afraid to go against common wisdom. Hmm. That's, that's pretty rich. So I have worked with business owners in a bunch of different industries and I can just think about people who to the outside world, I've had the good fortune of maybe landing a contract with like a Walmart, you know, a big behemoth in the industry or those in the contracting space who deal with suppliers and vendors where they feel like it's out of their hands. Like, you know, they just have to wait 90, 120 days, whatever it is for them to get paid. So how does your book address industries or owners that are in those industries where it's like, well, this is just the way it is, David. You know, we don't have control over our cash flow. We're at the mercy of fill in the blank. <laughs> well, and, and so that's where the unconventional wisdom comes into play. Um, and I'll give you some hints. Yes, uh, dealing with Walmart or some of the other big boxes can be the knell of death. <laughs> So it was a good thing. Isn't it every retailer's dream to land an account with a Walmart or a Target or manufacturers? Yeah. And, and, and like, look at the return policies, right? Look at the restocking policies. There's all sorts. And look at what your receivable policy. There's huge exposure. And, and like you said at first, 90 days, you're waiting to get paid, maybe. So what you can do is say, what are the holes in the contract that I need to defend myself against and do things like there are people who will pay you good money mm. for your receivable or mm -hmm. good money just for the contract. Just getting the contract, you can get cash advances. Now, they're not cheap. Mm -hmm. You have to look at your margins and whether or not you're making margins and if the total volume is going to bring your uh, costs down. 
but there are definitely things that you can do well in advance of shipping your first item to any of the big box guys that will protect yourself and get you cash in the door when you need it, not 90 days down the road. Hmm. That's good. So it's about rethinking, you know, being a finance guy, you know, I'd fall back on the whole time value of money, right? You've heard these analogies put out there before. Would you rather have a million bucks today or a penny doubled each day for the next fill in the black 30 days, et cetera. And we know cash in hand, um, you know, is is uh, certainly very valuable, but also the compounding effect on cash is also yeah. valuable. So talk a little bit about, you know, some of the tools that people can use to change their mindset to go, okay, I'm delivering on a contract for the next whatever it is, but I have a business to run. And so I need to prioritize getting cash into the front doors. And here are some of the tools that I could use to do that. So what we're talking about, um, sometimes it's called how much runway do you have with your cash, which mean if you if you stop selling today, how long can you survive yep. with just whatever the receivables are coming in and no additional cash? Or for some reason, everything else goes wrong. You don't get any new cash in. That's even shorter runway. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two really good metrics. But what I like to do is have at least a 13-week vision in the impact of my current business um, of what's going to happen in the future. So that is definitely one of the tools that will completely change how you view your business, not on the history, looking over your shoulder or in the rearview mirror, and that's when you're looking at financial reports, but the projections that you develop We'll let you see the future. I just had a client say, David, I wish I'd have had this years ago. I could have grown my company faster. He was too afraid to grow. Mm-hmm. The other clients are saying, I wish I had this sooner because I wouldn't have spent so much money and run out of cash. So that's number one. Number two, there are automated tools. I'd be very cautious about those going straight to automation. Um, oftentimes, they're restrictive spreadsheets. I still mostly work with spreadsheets, and there's only one tool that I really trust with business modeling, Ike. Mm-hmm. It's not about manage, just managing your cash flow or doing a, a forecast. Business modeling allows you to say, this is what happens today. This is what happens, connections. And, and that's dry, dry run software. Um, I don't get compensated by dry run. My friend Jeremy's out there. Um, he, he runs uh, channel partners. Yeah. Um, but beware most software that says, hey, you can automate this. It's, it's, it's a misleading at best. Sure. Um, other mindset things is if you want to explore one at a time options to you that you see advertised, attend webinars, but quite frankly, it's taken me years and years and years to put this all together. And there aren't very many people or resources talking about mindset. Um, you could work with somebody who generally expands your view of the world. But if you really want to talk cash flow, um, I'm not saying this out of ego. I explored this before I decided to go wholeheartedly in. There's nobody talking about this yet. And it's one of my goals. This is why I'm here today mm-hmm. is to open up the thought process of expand your mind and think about cash flow optimization and management the, differently than you've ever thought about it before. 
That's awesome. Speaking of the subject, what do you see clients in their attempt to try to, you know, optimize their cash flow? Where do you see them wasting a lot of time and maybe even money on and things that just don't pay dividends in helping them get to the end goal? You know, it depends on the condition of the company. If they are failing, one of the biggest problems out there is the fast um, merchant cash advances will put you in a worse position than you have today. But people are do it because they're desperate um, and or because they're in an industry that they're not well established. There's all sorts of reasons, but that is not a good idea. One of the biggest challenges that people should be starting today before they need capital to figure out what they need to do to be ready to bring in capital, whether it's borrowing money, uh, doing crowdsourcing. If, if you're a manufacturer to these days, crowdsourcing on Kickstarter or Indiegogo is fantastic. Or to even crowdsource um, and, and don't do an IPO, do a, instead of a public offering, it's much less expensive, uh, inexpensive to do a private offering that can be floated on certain platforms. Mm-hmm. One of the things they need to know is if that's the way you're going to go, any kind of crowdfunding, you've got to have a marketing machine to reach people that you couldn't normally reach. Sure. Let me go back. The issue is start planning today. If you've got good credit today, get a credit line today. Get the credit cards today. Do not wait until you need the money. Banks don't want to lend to you if you need the money. Have you noticed that problem, David? <laughs> Funny, right? And so, and once a company's in trouble, it is so hard. I bring them to lenders and I try. And the end of the day is once your credit is ruined, it takes years. The whole thing about the credit repair agencies, I've got an insider who worked and has left the credit repair agent, credit repair. Um, environment. And he says, David, number one, most people can do it themselves. But number two, most of the problems, if it's really a problem, you can't get off your credit report. You just got to wait. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Sound, that's sound advice, you know, get the umbrella before it starts raining, right? Yes. And let me take into account one other thing. If there is a using the raining analogy, if you see a natural disaster coming, you might want to pull the cash out of your credit lines immediately and do not deposit it into the same bank where you receive the money from. Hmm. During a housing crisis, and we saw it to a lesser degree at the beginning of COVID, credit lines get cut and it's part of the contract. They can just cut it for whatever reason. Oh, we don't like you. We, you know, um, we don't think your collateral is worth as much. Anything they want to, they can cut it. And so if you've got access to $100,000 in credit, you might want to take fifty, seventy-five, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 of credit as soon as you know that there's a systemic issue. Yeah. That's sound advice. I talk to a lot of people a lot. You know, I'm author of a personal finance book called Winning the Money Game. And when we delve into the whole idea of um, what it means to be debt-free and what's, you know, position A, 
Uh, we talk a lot about homes and just the whole idea that, you know, letting all that equity sit in your house, maybe that's not the smartest thing, right? There will come a day in time uh, when that house might be worth 50% of what it wants worth. And if you go back to the bank and go, hey, I want to borrow all that equity I got, <laughs> we're right back where we talked about, right? You're not a, uh, a preferred candidate at that point, right? Yes, and that's what we saw happening during the housing crisis was they said, we don't think your house is, we don't know what your house is worth. So we're just going to cut your equity line in half or eliminate. That's exactly, they eliminated or cut them. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the industry, what's the one thing that really bugs you, you know, about your industry? I've served in a bunch of different industries. I used to serve in the financial services industry, worked as an investment advisor for a while. And I really had both insurance and securities-based solutions. One of the things that bugged me about the industry at the time was it's like both sides of the fence were at a war with each other, pitting their solutions against the other instead of recognizing it's not an either or, it's and, right? So when you think about the industry you serve in, what's, what's that one thing maybe that sticks out to you that kind of bugs you? Product sales that the answer to people's problem is selling a product. Now, that would be what you just mentioned. Yeah, huge, huge amount in the industry. Yeah. With, right. And so when I read an article, I did some research, said, all right, let's see what other people are saying about cash flow. And they had five answers. And number five, or if they had 10 answers, number 10 was always a product or service they wanted to sell to the reader. Mm-hmm. Ike, it's interesting. I sat down to write down, if I could come up with it, 99 ways to manage cash flow. I'm now up to 186 different ways to manage cash flow. Wow. That's the next book, I presume? <laughs> uh, that would be, yeah, that would be a, ma a major book. And right now it's only available through people who want to learn what I do and want to become part of a program um, it's the secret sauce. Tell, so, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, well, I've got a program. Uh, it's actually pre-launched, but I'm taking strategic uh, strategy sessions to talk to people who want to add cash flow advisory services to their portfolio of services they offer their clients. Um, these are advanced bookkeepers, um, accountants, CPAs or chartered accountants, um, or financial gurus, uh, financial advisors, sure. or finance people in general, and to teach them how to go about analyzing, resolving um, cash flow issues for companies up to, I say up to $20 million, but the principles are apropos for mm. any organization of any size. Fantastic. So Dave, you've been around for a while. I wonder with the with the wisdom that you've garnered over the years, what is one thing you wish you had known when you first got started out in your industry? Well, I wish I had focused more back then. However, if I had focused solely on cash flow, I wouldn't have ended up with this breadth of knowledge that it's not just finances, it's also sales, it's marketing, it's operations, etc. Mm -hmm. But um, People are starting out focusing and going deep, uh, I find is much more useful to clients than just a broad spectrum alone. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. And if you had a uh, a final word, an epithet, something you wanted to kind of release there on this whole issue, or uh, or anything else, you know, what what would that look like in your space? You know, I'll throw one more out, and um, I might have swapped these with your prior question about one piece of advice. Yeah, that would be. I wish I had had a mentor when I was starting out at the age of twenty three or four when I got my first real job or even better before I got my first real job. And I learned too late the value of a network and many mentors in different areas. Um, That's something that I think everybody should be doing as they're networking um, is figuring out who can really teach you and, and what value you can add back to them. Nah, that's that's one hundred. I, you know, a bit of my uh, my story. I'm very uh, vulnerable, I think, with some of the contents I share in terms of where I've been. And had it not been for a lot of the mentors and coaches that I had in uh, in my life, to be perfectly honest, uh, I probably would have checked out. Just being, you know, purely purely transparent. So I'm curious, who's been one of the most significant uh, professional or personal mentors you've had in your life? Well, it, it might sound corny, but my father, um, I worked for him when I was young. He ran a $10 million company, which is now about a $30 million equivalent on a single page spreadsheet. They were in terrible shape. He knew it. The bank knew it. But because he was transparent and because he had a very detailed plan, he was able to get more credit. He was able to keep his suppliers shipping. Yeah. And um, and he was determined and they were able to sell the company at a profit instead of folding. And so that kind of guts determination, but also honesty and transparency, I owe to my father. Those are traits that I like to uh, display myself. That's awesome. Is he still alive now? He is. Yes. Uh, he celebrated his 84th birthday this year, I believe. Really? Like, yeah, like, and you said the company is now doing the equivalent of thirty million. Well, no, at the time it was ten million dollars a year. When you add in for inflation, okay. and ratchet that up, that's about a thirty million dollar a year run rate for in today's dollar $30. terms. That's yeah, run all from a single old spreadsheet, right? <laughs> you don't need automation. <laughs> you don't need complication. That's one of the mindset shifts, right? You just the grit and determination is is just as much as anything that you're going to fix it and and just saying we're going to get through this. That's a mindset issue. It's not finance. And it's it's as simple as you just need something that works, whether it's automation, whether it's not. You need a tool. You need to know how to use the tool, and you need to use the tool to be able to experience the benefits that that tool can give you. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely agree with you on that. So listen, you've shared a lot of really valuable information on the show here. I appreciate that. And there might be people listening who are thinking, you know, I'd love to grab a hold of that book. Uh, Maybe there's some people in the business advisory space that heard uh, a prelude to that program you talked about that you're launching. What's the best way for anybody who fits into either one of those two categories to learn more and to access those resources? Thank you for asking. It's really simple. Um, It is go to my website, davidsafir.com. Now, at davidsafir.com, 
I have a store. You can click on the store. That's where you can order my book. Um, or there's a couple other things for sale. If you are an advisor and want to get a hold of me to do a strategy session, david at davidsafir.com or go to my website and uh, there's a way to contact me there. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you uh, or call me. <laughs> I, I've offered this hundreds of times. Nobody's called me yet. I'm looking forward to the first one. It's country code one. 801-510-3566. If you're too shy to call, text me or send me a WhatsApp. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Awesome. You have been just a, a pillar of wisdom on the show here today, David. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with our with our viewing audience. Uh, to those who are watching, we appreciate your time and attention. We'll look forward to bringing another great guest with uh, for you on our show, Thriving Advisors. Until next time, guys, take care and God bless. Welcome to the Thriving Advisors show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right. Well, let's get into today's show.